Good afternoon, July 28th, 2020. Another episode of uh, maybe, maybe it's time to listen. This segment is called At What Point? Now, before we even get started, I want to tell you right off the bat, this might not seem too pleasant, but like I always say, I try to keep a balance of both. Uh, <clears throat> the love of God and the punishing of sin. I want us to understand that God has two sides, whether we believe it or not. So some of the things may sound a little harsh, but you know I'm not trying to be fire and brimstone, gloom and doom. Because as a matter of fact, I'm trying to tell you how to avoid this stuff out of love. So let's get started. <clears throat> but the people who did not die in this place still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that can neither see, nor hear, nor walk. They did not repent of their murders or their witchcraft or their sexual immorality or their thefts. That's from Revelation chapter 9, verses 20 to 21 from the LT. <clears throat> now, something that may have caught your attention, you say, What do you mean, idols made of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood? People don't, people don't worship them things no more. Now, we have to stop thinking in the United States. You have to think, we're only 5% of the whole world. There's people all over the world that still do have idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. And still bow down to them. So don't say that's, you know, nobody does that anymore because that's not true. And remember, this is from the book of Revelation. So this is new, that's New Testament. So obviously there is somebody that does that. But God says, why, you know, he's saying, why those are idols? They can't see, they can't hear, and they can't walk. Those are things made by man, but your man can turn around and pray to it like it's going to have some sort of power. You made it. How did, how did it get the power all of a sudden? If you, if you invented it and you put it together, how did it get so much power all of a sudden? It's just a, it's just a piece of whatever it is, a piece of bronze, a piece of stone, a piece of wood, piece of gold or a piece of silver. It's got no power. Now, murders are rising. I'm talking about this country. Well, I guess all over the world, but let's talk about this country. Murders are rising, yet supposedly violent crime is down. Go figure. Murders are going up, but other, other kind of crimes are going down. Now, I don't know if you think that's ridiculous or if you think that uh, doesn't make sense but what that's saying to me is if it's true what it's saying to me is that people are trying to take your life out they're not just going to hurt you and leave you alone if murders are going up people want you dead and that's Satan wants, wants people dead so he's asking through the people. 
July 2020 is said to be the hottest July on record. So as the planet warms up, we go through this almost every year, every July. It's always hotter than, than the last one. Now this one's said to be the hottest July record again. So here we go in. Some people think August is the hottest month, but no, it's July. I mean, August ain't no picnic either, but uh, July is still worse. <clears throat> now, next, over 62 million abortions have happened since Roe versus Wade in 1973. 62 million abortions. That's ridiculous. Like I said, I'm not trying to sound like gloom and doom, but these are just some things that you're putting in memory banks. Now, there are at least 13 volcanoes that can erupt at any time while they're already oozing lava now. You know, what's inside the volcano is called magma, and when it comes outside the volcano is called lava. But still, it's still hot. <laughs> so, now these particular volcanoes are located in North Korea, California, Japan, Oregon, New Zealand, Ecuador, Hawaii, then Anacrakatoa, Indonesia, the Philippines, Vanuatu, if I said that right, which is in the Ring of Fire in the South Pacific, Ethiopia, Mount Meripai, which is also Indonesia, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Now here's the plea God is making to people. Now I said all that stuff, the things that are going on in the country and in the world. I said all that stuff. However, not to scare anybody, not to be gloom and doom, not to say this, but here's the plea God is putting out to people. This is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 of the NIV. When he was talking to Israel at the time, and it still goes up to today because he loves everybody and he has no favoritism, no respect to persons. What he said to them was, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Just like he said to them way back then, in Moses' time, he's telling us today, I've said before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life, so that you and your children may live. Concerned about your children and your children's children, or whatever you are concerned, well, choose life. Choose the Lord. Don't have so much pride that says, oh, I don't believe in that stuff. Now's the time to call on the Lord. No matter how silly you may feel, because the flesh is never going to want to do anything the Spirit wants it to do. It's always going to find, find it foolish, find it silly, say it's ridiculous. But if you step over that feeling of pride, and humble yourself and get on your knees and say, Lord, help us. 
he can hear you. You say, Lord, give me salvation, he can hear you. So that's one of the pleas. Here's another plea. St. John chapter 3, verse 17. The NIV. This is the one after the famous St. John 3, 16. The next verse after, after that one says, 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God's in the saving business. He's in the delivering business. He's in the loving business. He's in the mercy business. You understand? God loves you more than you'll ever know. He loves me more than I'll ever know. I still don't understand it. For example, I still don't understand this next one. But it still happened. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 from the NIV. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now it's hard to wrap your head around that one. That even before I was born, Christ paid the price for the rest of the whole generations to come. Jesus paid the price from Adam to his death, from his death to the end of the world, the end of the age, really. Jesus paid the price already. So while people weren't even thinking about him, while they were cursing him and mocking him and doing all kinds of stuff, he still died for them. So that's why we can never put our nose up at anybody. No matter how poor they are, they, they might be homeless, they might not think like us. We can't skin our nose up at people. We don't have the right. Christ died for them. He died for them too, just like he died for you. So if you say you're saved, you have no reason to treat anybody who's not saved like that garbage. Because you once were not saved yourself. Nobody came into this world saved. The only two people that came in here righteous, or were righteous, were the ones who, who, the parents of John the Baptist. Because you have to have righteous parents to bring up a righteous child. You can't have somebody dipping and slipping and, and doing everything else and have a righteous child who's going to pave the way for Jesus Christ. But either, either way, <clears throat> excuse me what I'm saying, either way, Christ died for us, so we can't skip him out no to anybody. And then Jesus goes on to say in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, NIV. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And he said, what is, what's the eating part I have to do with it? Forget the eating part. It's not, it's not the eating. He's trying to tell you, if you open the door, I'll be party. We'll be friends. You and I can talk together. We can reason together. We can talk to each other together. Now, the history of that has to do with how they, how they were treated in the temple. I'm not even going through it, but put it this way. It's just like your boss coming around or somebody coming around for an inspection and you're not ready, you're going to get reprimanded. But if you're ready, you can open the door. You can say, yeah, come, come look at this. This is my desk. This is my this. This is my that. And if everything's in order, 
they'll be happy. So that, that's the basic way I'm going to put it. I'm not going to go into the temple priest and all that stuff. Now, that was the plea. The plea for people to come to Christ to give them their life. Now, here's the other type one. The reason God will send wrath. People say, I always hear about wrath of God and this and that. I'm so tired of that, but he's still going to do it. It doesn't matter how tired of it we are, how much we don't want to hear it, how much we don't want to face it. God's still going to send wrath. The reason God will send wrath, here's just three examples. This is from Isaiah chapter 24, verse 5 and 6 from NLT. The earth suffers for the sins of its people, for they have twisted God's instructions, violated his laws, and broken his everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must pay the price for their sin. They are destroyed by fire, and only a few are left. So, so why, why is God going to bring all this destruction on the earth? Suffers for this, the earth suffers for the sins of his people. Period. Why? Wow, what did they do? They twisted God's instructions, violated his laws, and broke his everlasting covenant. Some people think that because Jesus came, this doesn't this is no more in effect. I got news for you. <laughs> yes it is. Because if it's not in effect, why is there a book of revelation? The good and the bad. The saints get nothing to worry about. But the people who are not saved got a lot to worry about. <clears throat> another one. Another reason God was on wrath. Well, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 from the NIV says, By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. That's New Testament. So there's something obviously coming that that the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. And what what's coming is the wrath of God. People don't want to talk about it. We want to talk about the law. I understand that. We have to have both. But they'll let you know the reason why God's going to destroy the earth. And it's Colossians chapter 3. Verses 5 to 7 from the NIV. And this is for us individually. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. I like that because he's saying this used to be part of you but it's not part of you anymore. Excuse me. What makes it so confusing not this but what, what people have made confusing is that they say well what about if a saint is still involved in that stuff? See that that throws a whole lot of confusion in the mix. And people are running and looking for scriptures to answer that question. But Paul says the end, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So he's giving you 
the credit and the belief that you used to walk in those ways in the life you once lived. So he's saying you don't walk in those ways no more. Let that be true. Now, Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 2 to 6 of the NIV. Zephaniah, small book. <clears throat> but the Lord says, I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away both man and beast. I will sweep away the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and the idols that cause the wicked to stumble. When I destroy all mankind on the face of the earth, declares the Lord, I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all who live in Jerusalem. So even though the Jews are chosen people, nobody is getting spared. <clears throat> I will destroy every remnant of bad worship in this place. Idol worship. The very names of the idolatrous priests, those who bow down swear by the Lord, and also swear by Molech, those who turn back from following the Lord and, and neither seek the Lord nor inquire of him. Molech was a false god, half man, half beast, and the metal in the belly it was cut out, and they put tar in there and set it on fire. The whole thing was made of metal, and that's how people used to sacrifice their children, their babies. Put the babies in the hot arms because they were stretched out. Put babies in the hot arms of these, this idol. And while the kids are screaming because it's so hot, they're beating drums to drown out the sounds of the babies crying. Or they would toss the baby in the fire, in the belly. God called us passing your children to the fire mullet. And the priests were trying to do half and half, trying to swear by the Lord and then swear by Mullah too. So you can't, we can't, and people are still doing that today. What I mean is they're still doing the half and half thing. You know, you half, one leg in the world, one leg in, in the church. No, God doesn't want you like that. All of you got to be dedicated to Him. Either go in the world completely and stay there, or come off the Lord's side and stay there. That half and half is not going to work. Like I always say, half and half belongs in your coffee. Not in the spiritual race. So remember that. The people say, well, well isn't this just talking to Jerusalem and Israel because it's the Old Testament? No, didn't I say God will sweep away everything from the face of the earth? I didn't say God will sweep away everything from Israel. I said he'll sweep everything away from the face of the earth. So that's upcoming. That's still to come yet. A lot of the Old Testament prophets prophesied about stuff that hasn't even happened yet. A lot of times, you, sometimes when, when you read Revelation, you'll see that their prophecies are in there. And the, and the God's bringing them to the past. So stuff that was said in the Old Testament is coming to pass in the book of Revelation. So that's why you can't throw away the Old Testament. Now thirdly, why should I listen to the plea? Why? Well, God loves you. For one thing. Now here's St. John 3.16. Now 
in the NIV. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, I want to say something because a lot of people say, well, God doesn't have a son. Number one, how do you know? You've been to heaven before? How do you, how could you, how do you know? Why do you get so angry about it? Number two, if you say you believe in the Old Testament, then that means you believe in the book of Genesis. Because that's the first book. So if you believe in Genesis, Genesis says that um, when God said, let us, let us make man in our image and likeness, let us, who's he talking to? Now this is not saying there's three gods, but he's saying let us. So from his essence, who's he talking to? He's talking to the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then the 11th chapter of Genesis, when the Tower of Babel, attempted to be built <clears throat> and God came down and confounded the language he said let us go down and confound their language well, let us go, how we have to, let us go down to with the doing something like that let, uh, he said it again let us go down so who's he talking to he's talking to the son the Holy Spirit the Godhead is three God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit as one God with all those essence. He has the essence of the Father, which you saw, see mainly through the Old Testament. He has the essence of the Son, which you see mainly in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he has the essence of the Holy Spirit, which you see in Acts, or through the rest of the Bible, and still up to today. But it's one God, one deity. He has a mystery. We're not gonna understand everything in this little fussy mind of ours. But nevertheless, it's true. So you say, oh, I don't believe, I don't believe the Bible. And those who teach, that you, I, mean, I know I'm getting off the subject a little bit. But those that teach that you can't eat everything. Once again, if you believe in the, excuse me, I'm sorry. Once again, if you believe in Genesis, you believe in the Old Testament, he says right there, after the flood, he tells Noah, listen, now I'm giving you everything for food. Just like I gave you plants in the beginning, now I'm giving you everything to eat. But don't eat anything with the blood in it. <clears throat> so, when people read 1 Timothy, chapter 4, I think it's 1 or 2 Timothy, one of Timothy's, chapter 4, and, he's, and he says everything that can be eaten as long as it's received for thanksgiving and prayer. People say, I don't believe that, but you already believe it. If you believe Genesis, then you already believe it. So a lot of times people say they don't believe something, but they have to investigate it. See, that's one of the benefits I like of being by a person who was anti-God before. Because you kind of know all the arguments you're going to get. You kind of know all the disagreements you're going to get beforehand. You kind of know what people are going to say beforehand. Just, just like a lot of people who are, preachers, who are famous teachers now in the Lord. I'm talking about the chosen ones. 
they used to, a lot of them used to be atheists before. Because it makes it a whole lot easier when you have to face somebody who's anti-God. Because you kind of already know where they're going. You know what kind of excuses they're going to have. You know what they're going to say. As opposed to a person who was brought up in church and never really dealt with anybody of the opposite side before. So I thank God for being, I wasn't an atheist, but I, but I definitely was anti-Bible. Because, you know, like a lot of African-American people, what they always say, oh, that's the white man's book. You find out this ain't the white man's book. This came from the other side of the world. It didn't even come from Europe. It came from the Middle East. I wish people would know what they're talking about for this history. Now, here's another one about why I listen to the plea. And this is important. St. Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 5 in the NIV. Now, there was some president at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or the 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. See, it's very easy to look at somebody doing wrong and then say, oh, they're going to hell. They're going to hell. But Jesus is telling everybody, look, everybody has to repent. Everybody, you may not kill people, you may not did some wild stuff, but we all have come short of the glory of God in our lifetime. Why? Because of sin nature. And Acts 17.30 says, God went to ignorance, all the stupid stuff we were doing, but then he... But now he requires everyone to repent everywhere. So everybody has to repent. So even if you were a little goody two-shoes and didn't do much wrong, you still were born with a sinful nature from Adam and Eve. So you still have to repent. Even if you just used to do something like uh, curse out your parents, <laughs> which is bad, for, bad enough. Well, you know, you don't submit to authority. That, get, that does not give you the right to look down on somebody else who's a rapist or a murderer or a drug dealer. Because as, as, as far as Jesus is concerned, you know, God is a holy God. And he must punish sin, and he will. Nothing. He doesn't want anything to be between you and him. And sin will separate you. So don't ever think you're better than somebody else. You're not. Oh, matter of fact, here's Acts 17 and 30 right now. NIV. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. That's right. So you got, everybody got to repent. <clears throat> Keep sin off your garment. The minute you know you've done something wrong, Repent right then and there. Don't say, I'll wait till my prayer time tonight when I'm at my bedside. Uh-uh. Because you know you're going to fall asleep. And plus, you might not get home. 
to get to your bedside. So the minute you realize something wrong, take care of it right there and there. Now, some good news. Why should I listen to the plea? Well, here's St. John 14, 1 to 3 from the LT. Very familiar scripture. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. Now, it amazes me that in this day and time, there are preachers and people teaching folks that Jesus is not coming back. There's no such thing as the rapture. Well, no such thing as getting caught up. No. And didn't he say right here, when everything is ready, I will come and get you. Uh, Sounds like he's coming back to me. And that you'll always be with me where I am. So how can you say he's not coming back? And he just said, I will come and get you. And he said, well, well maybe that means that up in the grave. Maybe that means something else. He's not coming back. Well, yeah, well, then you better read First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. And, you know, and if, and if you say Jesus is not coming back, why are you going to church? If you have nothing to look forward to, why are you going to church? To let somebody else try to tell you how to be a better person? So in your eyes, we're just supposed to praise God, worship God until we drop dead, and that's it, and then that's the end of the story? Yeah, okay. I'm sorry, but the story doesn't end there. So, God is not all of our wrath? No. So God is not all about grace and about inclusion at all? No. Yet, at what point will we repent as a whole? At what point will we realize that God has two sides? At what point amid, amid this plague, rising crime, the loss of income, the increase in suicide, abortions and divorce, etc., when are we going to realize that there's no man-made or woman-made solution to all this? At what point will America stop feeling entitled and being arrogant, but get so dumbed down? At what point, y'all? Look, I hope revival is soon coming because the earth can't keep going in this direction. Don't be fooled. It can't keep going in this direction. You know, and I get so tired of people. I don't want to get political because I'm apolitical. Uh, but I'll say, as short as I can say it this way. One side, all they see is, I think I'm monitors on, and all they see is there's peaceful protesters and Trump is trying to destroy them by law and order. That's all they see. The other side sees people are rioting and we have to have some sort of structure 
or else these cities will be destroyed. And then the other side comes back and says, oh, you're imagining stuff. There's not a lot of stuff happening. You're imagining stuff. There's not a big crime wave going on. And I ain't making a big deal out of nothing. You know, you got a few knuckleheads yet, but ain't nothing really bad happening. The point is, Trump is trying to kill all these protesters off. One way or another. So, you have people who have minders on say one thing. And then you have another group of people who might be exaggerating some stuff and spending some stuff. But the bottom line is still, believe me, these cities are getting tore up. Might be slow. And it's not fair to Joe Biden if he wins in November. It's not fair to him because by the time we get to November, if this stuff, if if this uh, violence and stuff keeps going like it is in these cities, you're putting that by the time you get to November, it's going to be so bad and then people are going to be expecting him to fix it. That's not fair. That's not right. But people, people hate President Trump so much that they're willing to let their cities get tore up because they don't want his help. They say, well, it's not help. He's coming to tear everything up. So you'd rather let your cities go to pot because you hate the man so much. It's like cutting off your nose and spite your face. All right, that's enough of that. Well, I'm not, I'm not on his side. Like I said, I'm apolitical. I got no reason for his arrogant self either. But uh, <clears throat> in conclusion, history shows that we generally find much truth in the writings of someone who died a while ago than the living, especially when it comes to prophecy. I heard that there's more interest now in the end times than ever before. Now, John penned the book of Revelation. He penned it. But it was inspired and given by God. Now, John is long since dead, but the book of Revelation he penned is popular. The late John Paul Jackson and the late Jack Van Impey and the late David Wilkerson, who all passed in this decade, will no doubt gain more followers. Now they're gone, people probably going to start looking up their names and start reading their stuff. That just just seems to be part of human nature. We tend to believe or show interest in prophecy writings after the person has died and gone off the scene. Let me leave you with a Bible verse that was written way before someone said, history repeats itself, even before that was said. Is Ecclesiastes 1 and 9, the New King James. That which has been is what will be. And that which is done is what will be done. There is no new thing under the sun. I'm not going to break that down. Just listen to it again. And you'll, you'll understand it. Ecclesiastes 1 and 9, from the New King James. That, <clears throat> excuse me, that which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. All right, let me say this. 
I will say this though. The civil unrest, nothing new. These racial tensions, racial tensions, nothing new. These uh, mass killing of babies, nothing new. However, the last straw with Israel going into captivity and being destroyed and having all this this great cloud sitting over their head once they turn, it's because of killing the innocent. Killing the babies was like the last straw for God. And uh, we better look out. With 62 men plus abortions going on, we better look out. God is merciful. He's slow to anger. But he's not going to keep going like this forever. So anyway, that which has been is what will be. So it's repeating itself. That which is done is what will be done. It's repeating itself. And there is no new thing under the sun. The anger, the rebels. And unfortunately, these young people got the anger and the zeal and the energy. But they don't know what to talk about. <clears throat> but they have no wisdom. They just want to the And don't be fooled. When angry people say, I want this, I want that, once they get it, they're going to want something else. The eye is never satisfied with seeing, nor the ear with hearing, the Bible says. As a matter of fact, it's Ecclesiastes 1 8, the verse before this one. So the eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear with hearing. So no matter how people say, oh, I want this, I want that, I want, I want this justice. You might want the justice. You, that's all you might want. You, you just might want black people to be treated fairly. Fairly, really, you're right. You, you may want black people to be treated fairly. And other people too, whether they're Asian, whether they're Native American, whether they're Hispanic. You want them to be treated fairly. I understand that. But there's also a group of people who don't follow your ideology, don't follow that. They want, they're radical. They want to tear America apart, erase all 244 years, and so over again. And you've got political people who just care about you voting Democratic to get Trump out of office, but they don't care about making your life any better. I said this before in the last one. Or the one before that. Or whenever I said that, I don't even remember now. But regardless, so stay close to God. The plea is, God is calling us to pray, to believe Him, and to come out of darkness. If you're not saved, come out of darkness. Into the light. Nothing's going to get better. I'm telling you, once you get, if, if you get Trump out, things aren't get, going to get better, they're going to get worse. Because people have had preconceived notions about him for a long time. And, when, and pe- it's just like anything in life. If you hate somebody, they can't do anything right. If you love somebody, they can't do anything wrong. People loved Obama, Obama could do no wrong. Even though he did. Trump is hated, he can do no right. A man can cure cancer tomorrow. They're gonna talk about it negatively. Alright, so anyway, like I said, I'm on his side. 
because he's a piece of work himself. But as I'll tell you this one thing, spiritually speaking, as a third voice out of here, don't expect things to get better when they, if and when they get better because of the prayers of the saints. That's when I believe it's going to be over. I truly personally believe, let me say this before I get off. I personally believe myself that this, all this stuff that's going on, this is part of the last time. When I say last time, I mean the last hurrah. This is the time people are going to come to Christ or not come to Christ. And if we don't come to Christ and and God and we keep going down the way with the path, God is going to do something. I truly believe something's going to happen after the summer's over. I believe the anarchy and the violence stuff is going to continue because people have been locked down a long time and it's hot and people want to enjoy themselves. Whatever reason they have, this stuff is going to continue. But come the fall, I think something's really going to happen. The last four months of September, November, December, I think something's really going to happen here. If we don't go back to God, we're in trouble. But at what point? What point are we willing to turn? If your prayer is keeping you from turning, it's not a good thing. Come to Jesus, let him save your soul. That's the plea. Let me just read the plea one more time. I don't want to leave you with the negative. I want to leave you with the plea. Deuteronomy 30 and 19. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you. I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. St. John 3 and 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In Romans 5 and 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Revelation 3 and 20. Here I am, Jesus is saying. I stand at the door and knock. If any man, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Stay blessed in Jesus' name. Thank you.